Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We welcome you. So glad you're with us today. We value the first day of the week always. And every week, we're really celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and we get to be in the very text as we've been, been in the Gospel of John. Just a couple of weeks, we'll start John's letters for second, third John. We'll close the year out in his writing, uh, the book of Revelation. So it's been a great year. I trust for you, a year with Jesus' best friend and all that was uh, preserved for us by the Holy Spirit of God. Today, we get to, we get to celebrate the resurrection and we want to do that uh, f- focused on it, even though we do celebrate it every week in an underlying way. Here we do as we come to our study today. Barbara Brown Taylor tells of her monthly visits to a nursing home where she always would take the emblems, the communion emblems with her to share with the older people. And this is what she writes. Once a month, nurses roll 10 or 15 of them into the sunroom and park them in a semicircle around a small table. Some of them complain as I prepare the elements. Get me out of here. Take me back to my room right now. While others doze or stare or drool. If you've ever visited a place like this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard. Few stay awake, though. The whole 20-minute service, she says. When it's time for them to take communion, I go from chair to chair, patting them awake and asking them if they want the bread and the wine. About half let me press the elements to their lips. The rest refuse to be roused. It's one of the hardest things I do. I say all the comfortable words and wonder if anyone hears them. One time late on a Monday afternoon, she arrives and a volunteer warns her that their medication's wearing off and to be expected, expecting anything. And she goes in and one of them starts singing, row, row, row your boat. And there are other things going on. She says, what shall I read from the Bible this afternoon? What part would you like to hear? The commotion lessened enough for one old woman's broken voice to be heard above everything else. Tell us a resurrection story. Her words settled over the room and the sleepers opened their eyes. Yes, someone else said, and someone else. Yes, tell us a resurrection story. We all need a resurrection story, don't we? We never get weary of hearing the resurrection account. And in fact, we never get weary of just studying the life of Jesus as, as preserved for, by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and written for us, guided by the Holy Spirit, because there's always, there are always nuances we miss, or because our faith is changing and growing all the time, we grasp things we, we missed earlier. That's true even in the resurrection account that we look at today, chapter 20 of John's Gospel. Let's read there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed." They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. 
Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended the Father. Go ahead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that, she, he, that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors lock, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he, after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which we recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. You know, we all need resurrection hope. And this, this great truth of the resurrection is more than just an event in history. It's a source for the greatest elements we need for life. In fact, there are four gifts that the resurrection brings to us that rise out of this text, more than just the four, but here are four that we're going to deliberate on today. First of all is the gift of intimacy. Jesus says this very odd thing to Mary. She, she clutches onto him. She grabs hold of him, and he says, don't touch me. I haven't yet returned to my father. And at first reading, if you're, if you're new to John's record, you might say, what's going to happen? She's going to be electrocuted, zapped out of here? Or is he so holy that she's not supposed to touch him? Or is she going to go to grab and he's not really there? It's only a figment of her imagination or some hologram or something? You know, well, no, there's something more. This, this word hold means to, to cling to, to grasp, to clutch, to claim, to own. See, in Mary's thinking, Jesus Look, you, you, really, you really troubled us at what happened. Now you've come back. Don't be doing this anymore. It really rattles our cages when you do this. But what she had to understand, according to Jesus, is that this isn't like 
This isn't like Lazarus coming back from the dead. And oh, wow, he's back again. Even though he was going to have to experience death and the mourning and grieving process was already gone. If there was something wrong with her holding on to him just as it was, as he was, then he wouldn't have said to Thomas, look, touch me. See the, see the marks in my hands. Matthew records that some women grabbed his feet, clutched his feet, and they worshipped him. And there was no correction of them. But Mary seemed to be wanting to contain Jesus for herself to make sure he was going to be right there. Because the idea, and, and what we say to one another, boy, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just see him one time, I, I, it would be, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus were just were here every time we came to church? And, no, it wouldn't be cool. The fact that he ascended to the Father meant that he could send his spirit to live in us. So we are the church. We're the body of Christ. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, no matter what's going on, he is present in our lives. And we don't have to just wish Jesus were here. He is here. This is the level of intimacy that he takes us to. The people of the Old Testament, those faithful people, godly people, they didn't have the joy that we have of the very presence of the Lord within us. We do. And we mistakenly say in our prayers, God, please be with us. We don't even have to ask that. We can, we can say, God, thank you for being with us as we leave here today. Thank you for being with me at work today. Thank you for being with my kids at school today. Paul said of the Corinthian believers, he died for us, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in that way. We do so no longer. There was a time we sort of looked at him just as another human being and the perfect son of God, but one who was with us all the time. Well, now we see him differently, Paul says. We understand more fully who he is. Now, now what I want to pose before you is, what does it look like for you to be in a relationship with Jesus? Jesus, is he that real to you? When you pray, do you just say your prayers? Or are you welcoming, welcoming Jesus in your very presence are you valuing the intimate time you have with him, knowing you have his ear? In your time of prayer, are you sensing his embrace, that he's granting you wisdom? He's granting you a kind of inner calm in the midst of a frantic day that is ahead of you. That he's, he's giving you what you need. That he's not just, the resurrection isn't just an abstract concept. God being with us is just not a nice, pithy Christian saying but it is a reality in your life. You know, because we all have these things that grab our attention. They get us off kilter and we get, we get, we get, so, we get so preoccupied, you might say. You know, like, like this week, you know, I had a traffic accident 30 years ago and I have neck problems. So every now and then I have to go to a chiropractor. It's been really good the last few years, but this week for some reason, the neck is giving me fits. And yesterday, I played pickleball with my son and grandsons. That just made it worse. Not only that, but right now, right while you're looking at my foot is hurting. There's this something that happened. I don't know what. My lower back's not so great, and I have tennis elbow. <laughs> From five games of pickleball, for crying out loud. Talk about aging process. Because that while I'm here, if I turn my head a certain way, ah, it's going to grab me. Or if I lean a certain way on that part of the foot, it's going to... Life is sort of like that, isn't it? 
There's always something nagging us. There's always something getting our attention. And when that happens, and we, something steps in that takes away our focus. And we are called to live in an intimate relationship with Jesus. I hope you know and experience that gift. Second, he gives us purpose. This one word that Jesus speaks to Mary changes everything. He said, Mary. And then he said, go and tell. And she does. That's how the Lord works. He, he, he speaks our name, and then he gives us a job to do. He comes to the disciples. He says, peace be to you. Now, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you, he said. That's always the way of God. Go, go, go back millennia to Abraham. He says to Abraham, I'm calling you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm going to bless you. And then what you're going to do is bless all the other nations of the world because of my blessing on your life. He speaks to Isaiah. He gives him this great vision of the throne room of God where the, the robe of the Lord fills the temple. And Isaiah is struck by the holiness of God. And Isaiah knows his sin. And God takes that, that, that burning coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips Isaiah's lips and, and, and forgives him of his sins. And then he says to him, now, Isaiah, I want you to go and preach. Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee and he casts out a legion of demons from a man of Gadara. That man had been chained to the tombs, cutting himself with rocks, naked. I mean, everybody was afraid of him. But Jesus stepped in, cast out those demons, and when the town came out to see him, he was sitting there dressed in his right mind. He said, now go tell what the Lord has done for you. You have not been saved just to enjoy your own private journey with Jesus. You have been saved. I have been saved to go and testify, to tell of the greatness of God, to bear witness to him how good God is and what a perfect father he is and what Jesus has done to redeem us. You know, I, I, Jesus is saying this, look, I'm this good physician, and I will, I will give you everything you need, but you've got to, you, you, you've got to stay away from self-consumption. And that's hard in our self-centered uh, society, isn't it? You know when I knew my mom was dying? When she stopped asking questions about me. When she stopped asking questions about our church, she, she would always, well, how's the church? Tell me what's going on. Or, or she got something in the mail. Well, tell me more about that. How are the grandkids? You know, how, how, all kinds of questions about people. Some of you she met, she wanted to know. And, and, and in her pain and in her weakness, I would try to distract her from that by talking about the church or family members. And it was short-lived. She went right back to where she was. And I knew from my mother that was a sign that she was dying because that's what death looks like when a person becomes self-consumed. How about you? If you are more concerned about you yourself than you are the purposes of God, and allowing him to use you as a conduit to love the world and to reach the world to testify the goodness of God, you, 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 are, you are not where you need to be. And, and we, we all, I, I put myself, you think I'm preaching at you. I'm not. How many times have I told you that God preaches to me in these texts long before you ever hear it? 
I get my toe stepped on first. So I know some of you who don't know any better think Luke and I are these spiritual giants. We're not. Well, he's not physically, he's far from a giant, right? <laughs> and certainly, I live with the guy, so, you know, I see him every day. He's not a spiritual giant. Now, we should be leading the way. We should be out in front. We should, be, we should have some things conquered in our lives where we're leaders. But, let it, you know, so I'm thinking about retirement, Right? And so for the, for the recent months, I've been thinking about, well, you know, what do I want to do in your time? What do I want to do next? And all that. I told Diana two or three weeks ago, I'm, I'm doing this all wrong. You know, I should be on my knees saying, God, what do you want me to do in the next season of my life? What do you have for me? And, and that's how we live our lives as believers. When you have a job opportunity, you got to pray, God, is that where you wanted me to be? It's a great opportunity for me vocationally and for our finances but how's my family going to do there? Is there a, a spiritual community there where my, my kids can join me in discipling them that's going to be good to undergird our family? You know, what, what, you know, what, what about, you know, how's this, how's this new job going to affect me and my relationship with you? And are there going to be people there that you want me to impact because you're planting me there? It, which neighborhood do you want us to live in? Are there going to be people there that you're trying to reach and you want us in that neighborhood to get to them? See, that's how we have to think when we're aligned with the purposes of God. God always, always does that. Go and tell. He says, be a blessing. He never calls you in to heal you without sending you out to be a healer. And anybody need any evidence that our world needs healing today? That's what we are. When we leave this place, we leave as healers in a world that's damaged and hurting and bleeding and beat up and bruised. The third gift is identity. Mary, and it jars her when she hears her name. Something was aroused in her. You, she, 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 you find ourselves, we find ourselves by not trying to. Jesus teaches that through and through, right? So our kids say, when they're getting in college, well, I got to find myself. Did you ever say that? What a stupid thing, you know? I say that in love and kindness, you know? But it's a stupid thing. We don't find ourselves by looking for ourselves. That's not how we find ourselves. We find ourselves by giving ourselves away. We find ourselves by identifying with Jesus Christ. We find ourselves by deciding who he is once and for all and that nothing's going to shake me in my relationship with him. And the more I get that, the more I understand that, the more I'm found in him, then the, the, the healthier I'm going to be. The Bible doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after they get satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who find that that's where I find who I am in Jesus Christ. It shouldn't be rocket science. He created us. Jesus was there right at the beginning. All things were made by him and through him. You and I were made in the image of God to be in relationship with him, to reflect his goodness, his character, all that he is. It only makes sense that this book is our direction manual for life, a life that, is, that will work as fulfilling and that teaches about a relationship with the living God. So the problem, well, we've got these tears. Mary had these tears in her eyes. And because she had these tears in her eyes, meaning that she was so overcome still with the grieving process, she couldn't see the truth of the resurrection. Even though Jesus had told them he was going to raise from the dead, 
He told them he was going to be crucified. When it happened, it just didn't register with how they thought redemption should be taking place. This didn't make sense to them. So these tears took control. Now, we do the same thing in a fallen world. There are all kinds of tears, actual tears or private tears of the heart caused by scars and woundedness and pains from our lifetime. Even if you've had a pretty pain-free life, there are still tears deep within ourselves that we don't, may not even necessarily know are tears or, or pains that have affected us. Yet, what does she get in spite of her tears? What does she get? She gets her name, Mary. Now, I wish I could remember names now. I don't. Some of you get irked at me. Have I met you before? Yeah, about 20 times, you know. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. Really, I am. I wish I, I wish I could remember. The desire of the ages should be our names on the lips of the divine Son of God. We, we never know we can never really see ourselves and all that we are until we, till we know he knows our name, meaning he knows us to the nth degree. He knows us inside and out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He, he, he's the, if we don't get there, friends, what happens? We look for everyone else, everything else to validate us, whatever it is. Our jobs, our careers, our degrees, our, our, our excellent sports or music, whatever it is. We're always, people are always looking to be validated. There's that old song. Some of you are too young to know. You're nobody till somebody loves you. Robin Williams starred in a movie called The Fisher King years ago. I never saw it. It'd be inappropriate to watch, I think. But I know the storyline well. I've read about it. And it's about, Robin plays a, 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 a homeless man. And he, he watches this gal. She's dull and she's a wallflower. And she steps out of the Metropolitan Life Building onto Madison Avenue. And he's watching her. And he watches her every day. You know, what time she goes to work, what time she comes home, the mundaneness of her life, what she eats, where she eats, where she lives. Until he watches her so much that he begins to love her. And so he wants to take her out on a date. And so he gets his friend to clean him up. He t takes her out on a date. They come back home. And she says, I, I know I'll probably never see you again. And he said, oh, no. You don't know that I've been, I've been watching you. I know what you like to eat. I, I know what time you get up in the morning. I know what time you go to bed at night. I know that you don't have many people in your life. I know you have a pretty lonely existence. You know, I've, I've, I've watched you, and as I've watched you, I, I've fallen in love with you. I'll never, I'll never leave you. Now, that changes her, of course. <laughs> that, that, that's, she's transformed because he loves her as a result of watching her. Now, if we could play that movie script out in their life, eventually he would let her down. Eventually, she would let him down because that's the nature of a fallen world and human relationships, right? I mean, even the best of marriages, there are those days when, you know, you just, you hurt your partner. You don't want to, 
But you do. Close friendships, it happens as well. And churches do that. We let down you, members, sometimes. Or you, your feelings get hurt or whatever. And you let us down. I mean, that, that's, that's the result of being in this broken, fallen world. But there's one who will never leave us or forsake us. And no matter what happens, he won't walk away. And one we can always count on. We're nobody till that somebody loves us. Till we know that he loves us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There's only one somebody whose opinion truly matters at the end of the day. There's only one somebody who can truly validate you. There's only one somebody who really knows you through and through and still wants you a part of his family. He doesn't just watch you. He's just not looking you. We're not deists thinking God's just on a rocking chair watching things happen and que sera, sera. That's not our God. Somebody who knows you all the way in. And he says, I still want you. You can come to me just like you are and I will help you change into the person that, that God wants you to be. Mary. And change your life. I hope you've heard his, your name be spoken by the Lord that you know he sees you. He knows what's happening. He knows what your struggles are. He knows what your temptation is. He knows how many times you fall to that temptation. He, he knows you through and through. He still says, look, I still have something more for you. I have, I have something better for you. John 10, Jesus said, he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. If you're a Christian, if you've met the risen Christ, you get that. Do you know anything about that? Do you know anything about experiencing the naming uh, the new identity you get, the new intimacy you have because he's with you, the new purpose you have in life. If you've met the risen Christ, you resonate with this. And then he gives you power. He gives you power. He says to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. A thoughtful person will ask, well, you know, how, how do I, I want these gifts. I want all that. What do I do? And so, so we exercise our faith. A faith that may not be much. And I keep reminding you, I keep reminding small groups of people, whatever it is. It's not about the size of our faith. It's about the object of our faith that matters. That's why Jesus could say, if you have faith just like a mustard seed, that's enough to do great things. When the object of your faith is Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Lord of life, the resurrected Savior. When he's the object of your faith and you keep focused on him, it's when we dally with other objects of our faith. And we believe in ourselves as much as we do as Jesus the Redeemer, we get into trouble and we flounder. It won't work that way. The problem is it's hard, time, it's hard relinquishing control, isn't it? I have a hard time with that. Uh, how, we can't be on mission. How, how can I get on mission when I'm so self-absorbed? I know I'm self-absorbed. What do I do about this? Well, that's why Jesus said, look, you can't do this on your own. You can, can how, how do, I, how do I become this Christian that I want to be? How can I, how can I really engage, engage with you in your purposes? It's all about yielding not only to the Lordship of Jesus, but this greatest gift he gave us beyond salvation is the, his own presence in our life by his Holy Spirit. It's by the Spirit we welcome him when we're in the Word, when we're in prayer, when we're hungry for him, we want more of him. And this, we set our sails. When, when the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that word picture in the Greek is, you set your sails. You set your sails where the wind is blowing. And the Spirit is compared to like a wind that blows. And we set, you have to set your sails. If you don't put your sails up, you're not going anywhere. But you set your sails up by, by loving the Word, by being in prayer, by being in worship, by serving, by engaging the Lord every day, by letting Him walk with you in life. 
He says, my power will dwell in you in the presence of the one who's not physically present. And you will hear him say your name. My power will enable you to get out of yourself and into the Lord. The distractions come, right? I remember taking my kids to the Mooresville pool years ago before we had a pool or anything. and They were just little. Chelsea, I don't know, she's probably three, I suppose. And uh, I don't know where their mother was. They'd be better hands if the mother had been there. So it was adult swim, you know, time out, you know. So I set the kids, lined them up on the wall, and, and I go swimming. And I look back, and Chelsea is floundering under the water. She slipped in. And, and Justin jumped in to get her, and I got scolded by the lifeguard. I was a terrible father there briefly. What happened there? Well, for 15 minutes, I wanted it to all be about me, not them and their safety. Well, not completely. I was kind of good by setting them on the wall. You know, I think that's what we settle for in life. God, all I want, all I want is for this part to be mine. Just give me this, this area, this closet of my heart. Just, just give me the attic. You can have the rest of my life. I just want this part from me. Can you handle that? No. We give him the deed. And then he gives us the deed back. He said, now, you gave your your house, your spiritual house to me. Now I get to go in every room, the attic, the closet. It's all mine, and I'm giving it back to you. And I want you to live there like I want you to live there. So what's the resurrection? What's it accomplishing in you today? Have you seen yourself growing? Are you growing? Are you growing to become like Christ? Is your anger healing are your conversations more life-giving? Your, your language better seasoned with salt? Is your tongue less biting? Are you cussing less or not at all? Is your gratitude more obvious? Your wounds less uh, sensitive? Is your worship deeper? Are your prayers more heartfelt than they were a couple of years ago? Is your behavior more Christ-like? Is your anxiety less pervasive? Are your relationships richer? Is your sin uh, more hated? Is your arrogance weaker? Your confidence greater? Your repentance more heartfelt? Your salvation more valued? You know, we all, we always know. We need a resurrection story every day. And as we deliberate upon it, we are changed. Let's pray. We thank you for the gifts, our Father. Thank you for knowing us so well and welcoming us to the family of God, the family of faith. Thank you for the day we were born again. Forgive us once again when we have become lax in our walk with you, the areas we have taken too lightly, 
the sin we haven't been serious about conquering, the attitudes of the mind and the heart, the actions, the eyes that linger too long on something that's ungodly, the feet that take us to places that we shouldn't be going to or the conversations we're holding that are self-centered. We need your forgiveness in place all the time, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy and grace. I pray, Father, that we will increasingly live resurrection lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.